a large part of me doesn't really believe I can get down to a healthy BMI or stay there. So if I can't be properly slim, then what's the point of suffering? Jen, a client in our Breaking Up with Binge Eating coaching group, had posted this question. Jen continued, Now that I've hit my early 50s, that defeatist attitude has become even more entrenched. I've got such a lot to lose. It's such a long journey. I'm going to have to spend my whole life suffering and missing out, etc. Despite the fact I'm not binge eating and haven't in weeks, I still feel like I can't do this and will fail. I'd love some positive reinforcement to challenge my self-sabotage. Mary Claire was the first coach to get to the post. She mentioned to Jen how it was a good idea to notice and capture some of those quotes from her internal dialogue. And the other group members chimed in with gratitude and agreement. Defeatist attitudes will get in our way. How can we expect ourselves to make positive steps when we've told ourselves that the process is going to be terrible and not even work? If we tell ourselves this is a hopeless project, it's hard to even convince ourselves to try. It turns out Jen isn't alone, and defeatist attitudes pop up in many of our clients. In today's episode, we'll talk about those sabotaging inner dialogues. I'll tell you some of my experience, and we'll learn how we can call them out from their telltale predictions of doom and prevent falling victim to them ever again. This is the Breaking Up with Binge Eating podcast, where every listen moves you one step closer to complete food freedom. Hosted by me, Georgie Fear, and my co-coach, Mary Claire Brescia. Before I get into today's podcast, a special announcement. If you've struggled with binge eating and you find yourself eating alone in the garage and you want to finally stop for good, we're launching another Breaking Up with Binge Eating program this coming Monday, June 15th. We'll teach you the skills you need to stop binge eating for good without relying on willpower. Learn more at nutritionloft.com. So back to Jen and the all-too-common problem of defeatist attitudes popping up. If you look up the definition of the word defeatist, here's what you'll find. Demonstrating expectation or acceptance of failure. In other words, we are experiencing a defeatist attitude when we think we're doomed to fail, so we don't put forth much or any effort. I also stumbled across the word defeatist, noun, a person who surrenders easily. Now, I don't believe that certain people are just born defeatists and others aren't. I think it's a mindset that is contextual. It's one that any rational, optimistic person can slip into on a bad day. I've heard that voice a hundred thousand times in my own head. It says, you can't do this. Get it over with. Just drop out now. I remember a half marathon I ran many years ago. I believe it was my first. I had run several full marathons at that point, so figuring this was only half the distance, I went out hard. Way too hard. I was trying to keep up with another runner in my running club, which is another newbie mistake, and we hit the five-mile mark in 40 minutes flat. And I realized, wow, eight-minute miles, and then realized, I'm in trouble. I'm gassed out. I've blown it now. I can't do this. I slowed down, but I kept running, hoping I'd be able to finish without walking. People passed me one by one as I shuffled forward, my head down. At 10 miles, 
I was hating the whole thing. I just wanted out of there. I felt exhausted. My legs hurt. My lungs burned. It was a cold February day. I felt like I wanted to throw up, use the bathroom, have a hot shower, get in a comfy bed, not keep plodding along this pavement. I can't do this. I can't do this. I decided I would quit. I figured at the next aid station, there'd be a car or an ambulance, and I could tell them I can't go another step, and they would drive me back to the start, where I could collect my things and go home, hopefully without seeing anyone I knew. But as I walked into the next aid station, it was staffed by a bunch of kids. There was no car in sight. There was just a handful of approximately 10-year-old to 14-year-old faces, a folding table, and paper cups of Gatorade. I couldn't see myself actually asking, Is your mom around? Uh, Anyone that could give me a lift back to the start? So, I didn't see any choice, so I plodded forward. I realized that was the last aid station, so, like it or not, defeatist attitude raging or not, my situation was simple. There was a road, and there was a finish area, and there was 3.1 miles between us. Whether I walked jogged or crawled, moving my own body there was seemingly inevitable. I heard the slow approach and gradual passing of the volunteer ambulance, slowly passing us on the way back to the start-finish area. Normally, when I see or hear an ambulance, I have a silent moment of sending love and hope to whomever's inside, knowing it could be one of the scariest moments or final moments of their life. But this time, I desperately wanted me to be in that ambulance. I briefly visualized just allowing myself to collapse to the ground, figuring if I have a cardiac arrest, they'd pick me up, right? But of course, it wasn't actually a medical emergency. I just felt like crap. And I was blaming myself for not pacing properly the first five miles. So I was definitely way too ashamed to wave down the ambulance to rescue me. Plus, I wasn't about to lie down on cold pavement in February. I could throw a tantrum, but there was literally no one to get me out of there. It was a very long three miles. I walked, then I jogged, then I'd have to walk again, and then I'd muster the strength to jog again. And while I don't remember actually crossing the finish line, I'm sure it was not with a smile on my face. I guess that I can't do this voice echoing in my head was wrong at mile 10 because I truly believed I could not go another step, and yet somehow I dragged myself to the finish line when no other option was available. I call this memory to mind now and then, when something sucks and I'm thinking about how can I bail on it. I remember that day in February. I remember walking along the road in Lincroft, New Jersey, and how I quit at the 10-mile mark, believing I did not have another step in me. And yet... Somehow I covered the last 3.1 miles. It's funny to think I quit a race and also finished it. Not to mention, I still find it somewhat funny that I was low enough to fantasize about being in an ambulance. If there had been a car at mile 10, nothing to force me to prove myself wrong, I would have always believed I went as far as I could that day. But because of how the events unfolded, I was forced to learn how easy it is to declare our own defeat far, far too early. It turns out there's a lot left in that bucket once I think it's empty. In the years since then, I've done many more races, never pacing myself that poorly again. And I heard that same voice saying, 
I don't think I can do this. I feel too bad, too early in the race. And this is just going to get worse. Maybe I can quit now. But something I've learned in the last eight years is that's just a story. That's my fear. I'm scared of things getting worse and worse, but it never actually happens. Any experienced distance athlete knows you go through patches where it sucks, but also patches where it gets better. If you just keep going through the rainy stretch, the sun comes out. If you get thirsty or uncomfortably hot or cold, the game isn't over because you can get a drink, add a layer, take one off, find a bit of shady trail, or maybe you'll come round a turn and find the wind is now at your back. Things are always changing. It's not just going to get worse and worse and worse. There's easy and rough patches in races, in training, in relationships, and in life. Breaking up with binge eating is a hard, long journey. There will be times you're uncomfortable, cranky, blaming yourself for your predicament, and in every bit as sour of a mood as I was, shuffling along the pavement that February day. That's when the negative voice comes up and says, You're sunk. Everyone else is ahead of you. You aren't going to make it. You might as well stop trying. All that lies ahead is deprivation and struggle. You do not have to listen to that voice. You can hear it and then tell it what's actually true, that everybody has these worries, including the people who succeed. They aren't something that only happens to losers. Everyone has self-doubt at times. It's normal. You can just label these thoughts the old story. One that loses its power once you've heard it enough times, like the boy who cried wolf. As in, oh, here I go again with that old story. Quit now because you won't succeed. And then you could say to yourself, thanks, brain, for serving up that old familiar story. I've heard that warning a thousand times. I'm going to just keep going and see how this turns out. Now, when I think, crap, this is just going to get worse, or I don't know if I can do this. Now I think, yeah, yeah, I've been there. I'm still on my feet. I guess I'm still doing it. So what I want to leave you with today is not only a reminder to take it easy the first five miles of your first half marathon, but not to declare yourself out of the game just because you're scared of what will come. Don't take yourself out of the race just because you're uncomfortable or because you binged or because you binged for several days in a row. You aren't done yet. It's not over. As long as you're still alive, and as long as you want to be free of binge eating, and why would you be listening to this podcast if you didn't, you are still in the event. So slow down to a walk, crawl if you have to. It's okay to admit this is hard, and that you're uncomfortable, and that you wish there was a cozy free ride that wasn't so much work. But this is your life, and this is the challenge at hand. You may sit on the curb at times, but I hope not for long, because I know if you keep walking in the direction you want to go, you can go so much further than you think. One of the best ways to find out how far you can really go is to have some help. Someone else believing in you might be what you need to find the little extra that you have to give. Mary Claire and I believe in you, and we're here if you want to ask us anything. Swing by nutritionloft.com or drop me a line at georgiefear.com. I'll see you next week. Thank you.